Father, your word is um, many times and at times challenging and yet encouraging in the same way. We're entering a new series this morning in John 14 through to 17, and so, Father, I pray uh, that we would be challenged and encouraged, that we would see the words of Jesus as not simply just words written on a piece of paper, but the words of our Savior, who died for us and loves us more than we could possibly imagine. We thank you for how you are at work, and we give you all of the glory for what will proceed and for the thoughts that we think and the words that we hear and read. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I mentioned in the prayer today, this morning we're starting a new sermon series that will hopefully take us through the entire summer. If you have your Bibles with you, whether it's on your lap or on your screen, we're going to be in John chapter 14, open up to John 14. And as we start a new series and a new message this morning, I want to ask you one specific question. How is your heart? How is your heart? Today we're going to see Jesus address the heart. And this will be a main theme throughout the whole series, throughout all four chapters. How is your heart? No, I'm not asking how is your love, nor am I asking about the physical condition of your heart, as in, is it strong or is it beating? No, I'm asking instead, how is your heart? Let me use the Bible to help define what this means. Proverbs 27, 19. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. Proverbs 4, 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Then Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, verse 24. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, the Bible reveals that our heart is the basis of our whole being. For whatever is in our heart, our mouth will spit out. Our hearts reveal our inner motivations and all of our emotions. So in order to understand how our heart is, we need to see how we are doing as a whole. Have you been anxious lately? Have you been worried? Have you been joyful? Whether it is, um, or rather, another question is, how have you been acting towards others lately? Even that can tell you how your heart is. So as we get ready to open up the word, John chapter 14, Think about how your heart is. We want to be like David, eventually, in Psalm 51.10, who says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. As we begin a new series, I want to lay out the number one reason why we are doing this series at this time, and even this series in a specific section of the Gospel of John. As, a, a, as we live in a time right now when we don't know when we will gather again, at least like we did before, and a time in which many of us are frustrated by things around us, here is the reason we're doing this series. Number one, these are the last words of Jesus to his disciples before he was crucified. Why is this the number one reason we're doing this series? 
Well, Jesus was laying out his heart for his closest friends and followers. If you ever want to just read a few chapters in the Gospels to hear of who Jesus is and was, these chapters would be it. The words that we will read this morning that were read by Sandy just minutes ago are familiar words to many of us. In fact, they are usually read at moments such as funerals. However, this morning, these familiar words remind us and prepare us for life right now, in this moment. Present struggle, present anxiety, present stress. We are offered and shown in this passage a great eternal comfort through hearing who Jesus is and will be forevermore. The Gospel of John as a whole is different than the other three synoptic Gospels. It is written differently, and unlike the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the goal and aim of this Gospel comes near the end of the book. John 20.31 says this, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So regardless of where you start in the Gospel of John, the number one result that should happen within your soul is that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, or the Messiah, that he is the Anointed One who has come to save our souls, that he is the Son of God, the child who was born, but the Son who was given, as Isaiah tells us in the Old Testament, and that by believing Jesus, taking him at his word, we may have life in his name. John chapters 14 to 17 show Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, his closest friends and followers. And today I believe Jesus welcomes us into this as well. The upper room was sort of the equivalent to our modern-day living room, which I assume many of you are even in at this moment. So in many ways, Jesus is speaking from what was the living room of his day to our living rooms this morning from his word. Here's the main point for this morning. Very simple. Believe and be free. Believe and be free. This morning, Jesus is going to challenge us right from his word. He's going to challenge all of us the skeptics, the longtime Christians, the new believers. He's going to challenge us to believe. And therefore, through believing in him, we may be free. We may have freedom. So let's enter the text, John 14, verse 1. This is what it says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now remember that this is Jesus giving his last words to his disciples before being crucified. So these are crucial, crucial times. Times that could either help or derail people as their Savior goes to be crucified. So Jesus could have said anything at this time. But he chooses to say, do not let your hearts be troubled. So how is your heart troubled this morning? I think I can assume pretty strongly that many of our hearts are troubled in some way. Perhaps not in the same way that they were in mid-March, seems like a long time ago, when everything began to shut down. 
Perhaps for some of us, gone are the days of worry and fear and anxiety, and now come the days of frustration. Frustration because in many ways we are unable to meet at this present time. Frustration because many of us still can't see family members because we are more at risk or they are more at risk. Our hearts as human beings are so often troubled because we so often try and solve our troubled hearts with things that won't solve it. When we are troubled, worried, anxious, frustrated, fill in the blank, we will often try and do things to distract us. I know what my default is. It's to go on my phone, go through social media, and I believe that's the default for many people in the world, and perhaps many of you as well. But what do you do when your heart is troubled? Perhaps some of us need to vent to others. We need to talk to others about what is troubling us. Some of us like to write things down in a journal. And of course, some of these things are helpful in a sense. Perhaps not like social media. But what does Jesus have to say about these things? This is what he says. You believe in God, believe also in me. You believe in God, believe also in me. You see, Jesus understands that our troubled hearts have this direct connection to unbelief in Jesus himself. This doesn't mean that our believing in Jesus means we won't be anxious at times. But what it does mean is that belief in Jesus means that our hearts don't have to be troubled. But belief, that word believe, belief, it's so hard to believe sometimes though, isn't it? Would it, believe, would it surprise you to hear that there are people in the Gospels themselves that had problems believing? Mark 9, 24, in this story, Jesus looks to heal somebody and the father of the child declares this statement, Mark 9, 24. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I think this has to be many of us as well, even centuries later. We believe Jesus, at least intellectually in our minds. We believe truths such as God is with us, God is for us, not against us. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Yet there's also a sense in which we don't believe. And so we must cry out, I believe, for God to help our unbelief. Our hearts begin to not be troubled once we believe in Jesus and cry out for him to help our unbelief. If you're following along in this passage, Jesus continues to say this, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. Okay, this is the first point that helps us see how believing in Jesus gives us freedom. Church, I want us to believe this morning that Jesus has prepared a place for us, for you. In the Father's house, there are many rooms. The Father's house, it is massive. It is gigantic. It's not a hotel where you can pay money per night to stay in. 
and hopefully get that free continental breakfast. It's not a bed and breakfast where you leave after a little while. No, this house is God's house. He is the owner. It is his own personal dwelling place. It's incredibly spacious. And in this house is a room for those who believe in Jesus. Does this idea not blow our minds in some way? That God, the creator of the universe, through Jesus, has a room prepared for us in his own house. Our call this morning is for us to believe in Jesus, who has prepared a room for you in his Father's house. For us, our call also this morning is to trust in God, who has brought you into his house. Don't let your fear, don't let your anxiety get in the way of this glorious news that Jesus has prepared a place for those who believe in him, and that he will also be with us there. A room with God prepared for by God. What could be better? Notice that Jesus says, prepare a place for you twice. Now, how will Jesus prepare this place? John the Baptist knew about this. John 1.19 says, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus lived to die, and not just die, but condemn sin. Romans 8.3 For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. You see, preparing a place for his disciples started just days and just mere hours after these words. By dying on the cross for our sin, then placing our trust in him, our room is guaranteed. Jesus says in verse 4, You know the way to the place where I am going. Then after Thomas says these words, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus said this, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Thomas, the one who many of us know as Doubting Thomas, asks a valid question. He wants to know how to get to the house of God how to have that room that Jesus is speaking about. He says, how can we know the way? Jesus gives a familiar statement to many of us, a familiar answer to many of us who have grown up in the church and reading the Bible. As I said before, this is a very common verse mentioned at funerals, in which we declare that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. But what about now? What does it mean for us right now? Is there any point to us knowing right now? And how does it help our troubled hearts? Well, firstly, this exclusive and familiar statement of being the only way to the Father upsets many people. Questions over the years have popped up in books and conversations between Christians and non-Christians. These questions usually come down to one core one, which is this. How can Christians believe 
that they have the only way to God. At first glance, this question seems valid, and for Christians it seems arrogant and bigoted to believe this way. Now, although this upsets many people, we need to understand this truth. God, the creator of all, who is holy, has actually provided a personal way to know him personally. God has made a way for sinners, doers of evil, to know his goodness personally and deeply. Jesus says he is the way. There's no getting around this. And this shows the heart of God, that in his mercy, God gives us the exact way so that our hearts will not be troubled. Believe in the way. He's also the truth, which means that Jesus, in Jesus, there is nothing false about him. And everything that is true comes from him. Jesus is the truth, which also means that all he says is truth which means that we can't simply say Jesus was a good teacher or a person who did good things or spoke about good things, but rather we must take him at his word. He is what he says he is. He is the way. And if Jesus is the truth, we have to do all we can to soak into the entire Bible because the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, is about Jesus. In speaking to those who believed in him, Jesus said this in John 8, 31 to 32. Says to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? It will set you free. Believe and be set free. This is no half-hearted promise from Scripture. John 8, 36 So if the Son sets you free, you are what? You are free indeed. Jesus ends by saying he is the life. The way, the truth, and the life. But what does the life mean? What does that actually mean? I think it means that there are many people in the world who are simply just existing right now, but aren't living. If Jesus is the life, then not all are living, but simply existing But for those of us who are living that know the life right now, we have a call to show what that living looks like, even in the midst of a world and society that is looking for answers right now. Do you know the life? If not, I believe you're not actually living, but only existing. And if you know the life, then our call is to live like we do. Jesus says, if you really know me, you will know my Father, which means that if you know the life, you know God. From now on, as Jesus says and ends this passage this morning, you do know him and have seen him. Church, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe and be free. How? These five reasons. Number one, believe in Jesus as the one who is preparing a place for you. A place, a real place, with no rental fee and with no end. For those in Christ, the journey begins and ends with Christ. There is no part without him. Number two, believe in Jesus who is the only way to knowing God. 
You see, believing in Jesus means we get to know God. Because as John says in John 1, 2-3, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Number three, believe in Jesus, who is the way to the Father. You see, not only is knowing Jesus the way to knowing God, faith in Jesus, knowing Jesus, is the only way to the Father. How glorious is it that God has provided a way for us to know him? Number four, believe in Jesus, who is the truth. The truth itself. Our call is to not look for truth anywhere else. Truth is only found in Jesus, in his word, and belief in his name. Number five, believe in Jesus, who is the life, the way to actually live. Life, the one thing we all crave and the one thing we all need, to truly live, not simply exist, but live. So as we end this morning, how is your heart? Search your heart and figure out the troubles within it and bring it to Jesus, who is so much more than anything we could ever find in this world. Believe and have life in his name. Tell others about Jesus, who is the one person we all need. Believe and be free. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for... uh, what we have done. We thank you uh, for providing a place for us to sing, whether it be in our homes this morning or for those of us who are here in Cremona. We thank you that you are still at work even when our hearts are troubled. And Father, I pray that we take the words of Jesus seriously and we hear the tone of his words as the gentle shepherd tells us, do not let your hearts be troubled. Powerful, powerful words for us this morning. May we not take them for granted. May we take them to heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.